We're so thankful for that now. So let's give him a good Bendale welcome this pulpit again tonight. God bless it. Oh, clap your hands to the Lord. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Come on, has anybody come to put hell on the run tonight? Anybody come with a made-up mind? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Woo! Amen, amen. Have your Bibles tonight, the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. And uh, while service was going on, I came tonight with an idea which direction or word, uh, but as we begin to worship, I just felt some stuff start unfolding, and so y'all are going to get this as I get it, so I, I don't know, I know where we're starting, but I don't know where we're going yet, I just know I got a general direction, and so we're just going to flow in that tonight, give honor tonight to Pastor and First Lady Moore. I said it last night. I mean it. They are my friends. They are like family to me, and I honor them. And I thank God for the wonderful saints of God that are here tonight on Thursday night. I understand this is an off night. This is not a night you typically have church. But you came to the house of God. Let me tell you, you made the right choice. You said, well, preacher, I, you're just saying that because you're preaching. No, I'm going to tell you, it doesn't matter who's preaching. If there's church at the house of God and you show up, you made the right choice. Amen. Amen. First Kings chapter 18, we understand the setting of this is Elijah has challenged the prophets of Baal. And we will begin reading tonight in verse 30. The Bible says, and Elijah said unto all the people, Come near unto me. And all the people came near unto him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took 12 stones according to the numbers of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, unto whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord. He made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two measures of seed. He put the wood in order, cut the bullock in pieces. This altar business has a certain way it has to be done. And laid him on the wood and said, Fill four barrels with water and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. And he said, Do it the second time. And they did it the second time. And he said, Do it the third time. And they did it. The third time, and the water ran about the altar, and he filled the trench also with water. Turning your attention from here in First Kings 18 back a couple of books to Exodus chapter 27, one verse of scripture, the Bible says that thou shalt God speaking to Moses, and this is the lamp in the tabernacle, and this is his commandment telling them what to do. The Bible then God is speaking here, and it says, Thou shalt command the children of Israel that they bring thee pure olive oil, pure oil, olive beaten for the light to cause the lamp to burn always. With your help and the help of the Lord tonight, I just want to simply preach on this thought that the Lord put in my spirit just a few moments ago. Wet wood and dirty oil. 
wet wood and dirty all. Would you help me right now by lifting your hands and your voice to heaven and ask the Lord to move in this place. God, we love you. We praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor and we give you thanks for we know that there is no one like you. There is no one beside you. You are great in everything that you do. God, we believe tonight that you're able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. Believe you, God, tonight that you're going to work, that you're, you're going to move, you're going to help somebody. You're going to change us and challenge us. We believe you to do it tonight in Jesus' name. We pray. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord and give God one more shout of praise tonight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, somebody really praise him. Somebody really praise him. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The fear of the Lord. I don't have a problem believing that there would be more than myself in there tonight that could admit just because you're a good old country boy that you don't have a problem starting a fire. As a matter of fact, when I was younger, my mom and daddy had to get on to me a lot. And I'll let you fill in the blanks because my son's here and I don't want him to hear those stories. But they had, they had to... to uh, send forth the right hand of correction to put it in the King James uh, for starting a little bit too many fires. And, and when we begin to think of fire, we understand that Scripture tells us that our God is a consuming fire. And we're going to come back to that here in a few moments. But we understand that God is a God of fire. It was the day of Pentecost that would bring fire upon each and every one of them. It was a fire instated, brother, and the tabernacle, as you were talking about tonight, and again in the temple in first and in first Chronicles. And, and so it God is a God that is a God of fire. And because he he is, it only makes sense that his people should be a people of fire. But I, I want to draw a contrast for you for just a moment and I want you to go with me through the word of God as we begin to look at fire and where it gets its origins in scripture. Is It is a, glim, a, a very glim and bleak time when we first see fire in the word of God. As a matter of fact, God has began in the book of Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and without form. And so God begins to create. The Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord moves upon the face of the water. And so God begins to say things like, let there be light, and there was light, and let the firmament come forth, and the land would appear. And he commands, and, and, and there's a whole lot to preaching in all of this Genesis stuff, and I don't have time to get bogged down in, but I will tell you that God prepares a garden, and he takes a man that he creates with his own hands, and he fills him with his own breath. And in this man, the Bible says he takes from from his rib 
and he begins to create him a helpmate. And after this, we understand that they begin to fail God. They, they go and listen to the serpent. And the punishment that God puts upon them as he banishes them from the from the garden and when he does the Bible shows us the first glimpse we have of fire it's not a very good thing it's a bad thing as a matter of fact the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that there would be an angel of the Lord that would stand with a sword of fire and he would protect the garden of the Lord barring anyone from entering in and coming out of the garden understanding now that this this fire business started at a glim and bleak time we have to understand that it was at the moment that sin entered into the earth it was at the time when sin would be made prevalent man has decided to disobey God man has decided to go against God and so God sets in order fire and the purpose of this fire my friend is to separate the sin from the house of the Lord and so when we began to move from there through scripture we can find that God institutes fire throughout scripture many many different times again I don't have time to get into it all but what we do know about the Old Testament is it now it is a way it is a culture that I, I know we, we preach it out of context brother Moore but when, when you hear people say I'm going to heap coals of fire on their head we think that's bad. It's actually not bad. It's good. And so the, the purpose of heaping coals of fire upon someone's head is they would carry these things upon their heads to carry the coals in and to heap some fire upon someone's head would to be saying that I'm going to help you start your fire. I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I'm just going to help you start your fire. And, and, and so understanding that God is a God of fire and he again, he institutes it in, in the book of 1 Chronicles when he sends fire down from heaven but I want you to understand that there was something that happened in the book of Genesis that continues throughout the book of first Chronicles and it continues in second Kings or in first Kings tonight where I have read to you and it continues in the book of Acts and it continues in the book of Revelation and it continues throughout time is that fire cannot exist on its own but it must have something it must have some form of future to take and to eat up. I'm here to tell you tonight uh, that if we were all honest, uh, there'd be some times in our life uh, when we come to church uh, and for lack of a better term, uh, our woods wet uh, and the fire of the Holy Ghost uh, wants to come in and it wants to burn us up uh, and the fire of the Holy Ghost uh, wants to come in and set us ablaze. Uh, but because of things going on in our world, uh, we've allowed we've allowed time. We've allowed life to soak in. But I've come to tell you tonight, as the book of Hebrews would write, that our God is a consuming fire. And I've come to preach to you that even if your wood is wet, God can still start a fire with you and in you. That even if you come to church and you're tired because life has had its way this week, you come to the house of God and you've been beat 
up, I come to let you know that in that state, God can still start a fire with you. God can still set you ablaze. I know the devil told you, you might as well not go to church. You're too tired. You're too wore out. You've got too much going on. But I come to tell you on a Thursday night, the devil is a liar. It don't matter how wet the wood is. God can still start that fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When we, when we go and we look at what happens here in the book of 1 Kings chapter 18, we have to understand that in order for wet wood to get lit, that there are some things that we must do. The Bible says, first of all, that Elijah would go to the prophets of Baal and challenge them. Check. We did that last night. But after he would challenge the prophets of Baal, the Bible says that he would go to the top of Mount Carmel. And when he would get up on top of Mount Carmel, this was a place, Pastor Moore, that an altar had been to Jehovah at one point in time. We know that because in Scripture that I have read to you tonight, the Bible says that Elijah repaired the altar, that he found some stones that had been placed together at one time, and he began to gather them them together uh, and repair something uh, that had been broken down. I've come to tell you tonight uh, that it's a very simple recipe uh, that if you want to have revival, uh, even when you feel like you're drowning in a sea of life, uh, the first step uh, is that you got to find the broken places uh, of the altar uh, and start putting them back together again uh, because fire can't fall uh, if there's not an altar uh, for it to fall on. Uh, fire can't fall uh, if somebody uh, hasn't made some kind of preparations, uh, I've come to tell somebody uh, on a Thursday night uh, that feels cold and indifferent, uh, it's time for you to build your altar again. Uh, it's time for you to put it all uh, back together again. Uh, because as you do, uh, God's looking down from heaven uh, and he says, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm ready to set them ablaze. Uh, I just need an altar uh, for them to build. Uh, I just need them to take something that was broken and put it back together again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We, we live in an era right now more than ever before that the altar is, is gaining less and less importance, not just in the world, but in the church. Because I'm going to tell you why it's less and less important in the world because it's becoming less and less important in the church. And the more important we make it in the church, the more important people in the world are going to start seeing this is the only thing that works. Oh, you ain't going to help me. I'm going to tell you right now, you can call me old-fashioned, and you can call me an old fogey if you want to, but I'm telling you, praying in the Holy Ghost has never lost its power. The power of an apostolic altar has never diminished, and I understand they want to take prayer out of the schools, and they want to take prayer out of this, and they want to take prayer out of that. My God, I want us to fight for everything that we've got. Let's put prayer back in the church. Let's put prayer back in the home. Let's 
You can't get mad about them taking it out of the school uh, if you can't keep it in your home. Uh, you got to repair the altar, Elijah. If you want the fire to fall, uh, if you want my spirit uh, to come down, uh, you've got to take the broken things uh, and put them back together again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You see, the natural and the spiritual often walk hand in hand, but there are some times that they walk in opposite directions. We, we find here that Elijah has repaired the altar. And what looks to us, Pastor Moore, is him giving them a sign. He's, we understand, if you know the story any at all, if you read the Bible, you've heard, if you went to Sunday school, you heard the story, Elijah calls fire down from heaven. But there, there, there's something hidden here that if you're not careful, you'll miss it. And I'm telling you, I've been, I've been looking into this uh, over the past couple of months and not, not from this text, but it just hit me in Revelation just now as we were standing here preaching. But there, there is something happening here with the water being added to the wood, you see. Simply because when you begin to study typology of the Old Testament, types and shadows what in the Old Testament becomes revelatory in the New Testament is as Jesus Christ said I came not to condemn the law but to fulfill the law and so you find pieces of the law in Leviticus and, and you find that in Jesus and you find pieces of the law in Exodus and you find that in Jesus Jesus is at all in that but there, there's something in typology that I've learned over the, my, my years of preaching and that is that water is a type of the spirit of God. And so what's happening here after the Holy Ghost now, what's happening here is Elijah is saying cover it with four barrels of water and, and what looks like it should deter, what looks like it should stop the water from burning what looks like what should be the thing that should keep them from having revival is actually a type of the Spirit of God and what Elijah's doing is saying that ain't enough, that ain't enough spirit, put some more spirit on that and they go and they get another they get another four barrels and they come back and say preacher is that enough no I need some more spirit to put on this because if we want the fire to fall not only do we have to we gotta fix our altar but after our altar's fixed we've gotta cover it in the spirit we gotta pray until we get so in the spirit that we're waterlogged we gotta pray until we get so in the spirit that we're drunk cover me saturate me in the spirit of God wet wood Shake somebody and tell them wet wood still burn. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to some country folks tonight. Wet wood still burn. God sent. Matter of fact, in the book of Job, I think it's chapter 13, Job is. Complaining and crying and preacher shows up. One of his friends that was at one time looking down his nose at him. Now he's preaching. Just that quick. One, one moment he's mad at him. The next moment he's anointed by God. I still ain't figured that one out. He says, though the root thereof shall wax old in the earth. And the stock thereof shall die in the ground. 
yet at the scent of water. <laughs> just, just let me get a little taste of the Spirit. Just yet at the scent of water, it shall bring forth bows. And, and, and one of the translations, as you begin to look at these, this word bows is literally flames. And what, what God is saying in Job, in, in, in the original text, when you go back to what the Hebrew is, is saying, is it's, it's translated as bows, or what we think as, uh, as, as little plant, uh, pieces of plant that jump up. Uh, and in the original translation, it can be translated either way. Uh, but what's happening is God's saying is when the scent of water, gets on that tree when the scent of it looks dead it looks like it's gone it's looked like it's over it looks like they've backslid it looks like they're walking out the church but let them get just a little taste of the spirit of God and it'll bring forth bows it'll bring forth flames it'll start growing again you know what you need to do you just need to get saturated in the Holy Ghost again you don't need a seven steps to a better you you don't need some program telling you how to live this way or live that way what you need is to get up around the front of an apostolic church and Get get soaked. Get the water all over you until you're saturated. It don't matter. I, I said all that to say this. It don't matter how impossible it looks, Elijah. I'm a god. Oh, okay, he's talking to Elijah. Let me talk to you. I don't care how many times they told you they're not coming to church. Wet wood will still burn. I, I don't care how many times they said, I'm not going to go down there and get baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, they just ain't got around the spirit long enough. Uh, you just keep repairing that altar. Uh, you just keep putting the water out. Uh, they, they used to say, uh, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Baby, you put enough salt to him, uh, and he'll drink all he wants. Uh, you just keep pouring that salt out. Uh, you just... You just keep showing up and saying, let me tell you about what happened at church last night. I don't care how impossible it looks. Wet wood will still burn. I don't care how many times they said no. Wet wood will still burn. I don't care how many times the doctor said no. The banker said no. The we serve a God that is a God of the impossible situations. He comes down. He starts the fire. My brother was talking about it earlier. First, first Chronicles 7 and 1. The inauguration of the temple. Fire would fall from heaven. So we got to get perfect before we get fire falling. Fire fell at one of the biggest sins I'd ever committed. That's the first time you ever see fire fall. Because when sin has just erupted in the earth and fire still fell, where grace doth abound or where sin doth abound, grace doth more abound. What are you telling me, preacher? I'm telling you right now that I know it's a sinful world and I know it's a messed up world and I know your situation's messed up, but wet wood, it'll still burn. You just got to get the fire built hot enough. You, you, you just got to get it in the right place. I, I, I know the 
this world's full of sin. Uh, and I know it looks like it'd be impossible to have revival in this day and hour. But there, these things, I said it a while ago, I'm going to say it again. These things which are impossible with man. Uh, you can't work it out on your own. Uh, you can't do it on your own. Uh, not by your might. Uh, not by your power. But it's by my spirit, uh, saith the Lord. Here's the other side of this. I'm, I'm, I told y'all, this ain't pretty. This is just, I'm giving it to you as God's giving it to me. We, we can, God's fire can deal with wet wood. It's nothing for God. Matter of fact, you can take 12 barrels and dump it on one bullock and pray a simple prayer like, God, I pray that you would hear me. That's all I'd like to say. So that Israel would know that you're the one true living God. You ain't got to get up there and shock them, Moam. Just a simple prayer. God, if you just hear me, if you just show everybody you are who you are, then I know that it doesn't matter how much water is on this wood. Twelve barrels. I oh, God, I didn't think about that till just now, but it, 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 it's... it's Twelve is, is the number of the, the disciples. It's the number of the, uh, of, of the patriarchs. It's the number. And what, why, why is all of this? Because God, it's a number of foundation. God said, I, I, I want twelve patriarchs. And so you have Manasseh and you have Judah and you have, come on somebody, and you have Simeon and you have Benjamin and you go all down through all this. I want twelve of them there because it's a number of foundation. Four and four and four. And so the purpose of this is God is transitioning you. And he's saying, I want you to get the foundation right. I want you to rebuild the altar. Twelve bottles of water, barrels of water. And the fire can still fall. So wet wood ain't nothing for God. But I'll tell you what's, what, what bothers God. Dirty all. As you go and you look in the Old Testament. I read it to you tonight and you're hearing. There are a lot of things... Pastor Moore, that were the preacher's job. It was the preacher's job to go into the Holy of Holies. It was the preacher's job to prepare the sacrifice upon the altar of incense and upon the altar of sacrifice. It was the preacher's job to go before the brazen laver, which was it was a type of baptism, and to wash itself. And it was the preacher's job to get in into the inner court and, and, and to, to, to go through the furniture and to, and, and to anoint it. That's the preacher's job. The congregation had one job. Bring the all. That's it. What's the purpose of this all? So this all would be used within the temple, within the tabernacle. In Exodus, it's actually the tabernacle. We, we transition to the temple uh, uh, later on, and it's still their job. But I, I don't have time to preach about all of that in the temple. Because things change once you get in the temple. But, but in the tabernacle, it's, it's their job. It's, it's every man, it's every woman. It's their job to go in. It, it's kind of like church cleaning day. I don't know how y'all do it around here, but you go to most churches, they have different teams. That, and this family gets together, and then this family gets together, and then this family gets together. And that, that, that's kind of how they, they work it out. That's kind of what it was like. You were to go out into the olive fields. And you were to collect the oil. Because this all was going to be used in the lampstand inside of the inner court. It would be the only light 
inside of the tabernacle. Understand, there's seven layers of badger skins and fine linens and all of this stuff. You ain't getting no sunlight in there. It ain't happening. So the only light you have comes from the glory beyond the veil and this one lampstand on the inside in the inner court. And so God says, you tell my people that when they go out about the highways and the byways that they collect all. And he said, bring the goodliest all. Bring the best all. Bring olive oil that's pure. And so what we understand from study is that pure olive oil in its purest form, Pastor Moore, is the first two, maybe three drops when the olive is crushed. It would come. Because after that, it gets dirty. You know what happens when you try to burn dirty oil in a lamp? It smokes. Say, so why is that a problem? Because the man of God needs to be able to walk to the pulpit. and He needs to be able to see with clarity. The man of God needs to be able to walk into the temple and to be able to see with it. God says, I can deal with wet wood. But what I can't deal with is when you bring me dirty hull and you're not interested in what I've got going on. And so you'll just crush the, you'll just trust, crush the olive and you'll bring the whole olive. God said, I don't want that. I want the pure. It's the type of a tithe. Well, I lost this right there. Help us, Jesus. It's not just your money, honey. It's, it's more than that. God said, when you crush that oil, you make sure that you just bring me the first or second, maybe the third drop, because I've got a preacher that's got to go in that temple, and he's got to operate, and he can't get your sins washed away for another year if he's, told, if he's having to wipe his eyes the whole time that he's working in the temple. He can't make sure that the atonement for sins is going to be pushed back. He can't go in with the blood on his fingers and spray sprinkle it upon the altar if he's constantly having to wipe his eyes and work through the oil. You bring that preacher some clean oil. You bring him everything you got when you come to church. You make sure when you start your week and you walk up to the front for prayer on a Sunday morning that God has got the first two, maybe three drops of your week because if you bring that preacher dirty oil, you can't expect the miraculous. If you bring the preacher dirty oil, you can't expect your family to be saved because he can't operate in a room full of smoke. The Bible tells us that the cloud of the Lord, there, there, there's a difference. This is what happens when men try to replicate what God does. The Bible says that the cloud would come down so that the smoke would fill the temple so that the priest can't stand to operate. This smoke that comes down here is totally different from the smoke that you cause bringing God dirty all. God comes in and he says, listen, when I want to move, I'll blind everybody and I'll do what i got to do. But when you start trying to replicate that, You start doing stuff like playing with strange fire. And I didn't, I didn't start that. Understand, fire would fall from heaven. And it, the only job you got, that's it, this is the only job you got, bring all and feed the fire. You see how easy we got it? Well, I lost my help. 
See how easy we got it, the saints of God? All you got to do is fan the flames. Bring a little wood every now and again. And bring pure oil. Because if you'll do that, the preacher's going to preach. And the miraculous is going to take place. And you will build that church. And you will see revival. But you can't, you can't build wiping your eyes. Pastor Moore can't pastor. Wiping his eyes trying to see through the smoke. Oh, your family could be saved by now. I feel, I feel conviction in me right now. Your family could be saved, but you've been bringing too much dirty oil and so the preacher can't see clearly. So they walk in. They come. The wet wood's there. But the preacher can't see how to operate. And so... So then it's his fault. No! It ain't his fault. He's trying to operate in a room full of smoke. Well, I... I finally got my family to come. They showed up on Mother's Day. They showed up on Easter because God knows that's the only two times a year they come. And preacher preached and they didn't move. Well, kind of all you've been bringing to church. How pure is it? I just really didn't want to come to church tonight. I had stuff to do, but you know, Brother Moore's going to Fuss at me if I'm not there. You know what? You need to get a relationship with God that's bigger than Brother Moore's going to fuss at me. You need to get a relationship with God that's not grounded. Now, I understand. I'm, I'm preaching this, and you, I know where I'm at tonight. I'm in Bendale. I, and if you take my words and twist them, we're going to meet outside, and we're going to have words. And I'm going to tell you, you're a devil. Well, let me just tell you. I, be, I believe in pastoral authority, but there's got to be a time in your life when you don't do it because the preacher said so. You do it because you got your own convictions. That's what pure all looks like. I'm going to tell you how you know you're healthy spiritually when God's convicting you over stuff that that man don't even preach against. Preacher said he don't have a problem with it, but, but there's something about it that God's convicting me. Maybe nothing's wrong with it. Maybe God's trying to figure out how much pure oil you're willing to bring to the house of God. He says, I can work with wet wood. I, I can work with stuff uh, that's been sitting in the back porch for a little while. Uh, but what I want to know is when you get to church, uh, what kind of oil uh, have you brought to the house of God? Understand how important this is? Mo tells by divine unction of God. You get Aaron, and every year Aaron's gonna take a he's gonna take a, a goat. He's gonna take the blood of that goat. He's gonna walk into the temple. Tabernacle. Whichever dispensation you're reading about. When he gets there, he's gonna sanctify everything that's in the inner court. He's going to go into the most holy place. And there are some theologians, I don't know, I wasn't there, I didn't see it, I didn't build it. But there are some theologians that say like the seven layers on the outside of the tabernacle, this veil was seven layers and the only way to get from point A to B on the other side was to be translated. Say that there was no, veil, there, there was no maze, no nothing. And I don't know how true that is, but I can see it because Philip, when he's operating in the miraculous, 
So he's entering in. This priest is entering in. He's got blood in a cauldron. I know, I know this is grotesque, but it's just the reality of, of what it was. That's why he became the perfect sacrifice because, my God, if he wouldn't have, Brother Moore, every Sunday morning, you'd be a bloody mess. And so he comes down. He says, Aaron, every year, if this sin's going to be pushed back, you're going to have to ha- take this blood. and You don't spill it on anything other than what I tell you to sprinkle it on. And if you get any of it on your garment, you walk around. You go right back out that door. And you get you a clean garment. You don't believe what I'm telling you? Go read the book of Leviticus. Go read the book of Numbers. I know it's boring, but it's all in there. He said, you, 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 if you get anything on this garment, you don't even wear your shoes in here. Because this is holy ground. And Aaron walks through. One of his young preachers had just prepared the inner court. And he brought some all. Brother so-and-so brought half-hearted, crushed the olive oil. So he has to go. He stumbles because he's trying to see through the fog, wiping his eyes. As he does, blood drips off his hands onto his garment. And Aaron looks down and says, how many times am I going to have to go through this? Because if I go in there like I am right now, Aaron's going to die. That's scripture. You don't believe it? If Aaron goes in with a drop of blood on his garment, Pastor Moore, God's going to kill him when he gets into the Holy of Holies. Because he said, I, the only place I want it is on your ears. I still ain't figured that one out. I'm studying that one right now. I'll get back to y'all on that one in a couple weeks. He said, you put it on your ears. Just, you put it on your fingers. And you go in. And you sprinkle the Holy of Holies. And when you can make your way through an inner court with no smoke, you know what happens? The glory of God falls. And you want to know what Shekinah actually means? We always say we want the Shekinah of glory of God. Anybody ever heard preachers say that in church? You know what that is? That's the judgment cloud. You don't want Shekinah as much as you think you want Shekinah. <laughs> but this is the moment when you enter in and that blood is sprinkled because you've been able to walk through a pure sanctuary. That judgment meets mercy and the glory of God sets upon the mercy seat and God says one more year you've got and I'm not going to kill you all for another year and I'm not going to take you out for another year and I'm going to push your sins back for one more year but you got to have a clean pure Holy room for the preacher to preach in. So you're saying, I got to be perfect? No, that's not it. It's about the effort. So I'm sure that there were people that sometimes maybe they squeezed a little too hard and got four drops out and they were, oh my God. But it it, it wasn't necessarily so much about the cleanness as it was the effort. They didn't have all this fancy equipment we got nowadays. They did this by hand. Thumb and index finger. Painstakingly watching the drops of oil come from the olive. 
And the whole time, I believe, Pastor Moore, I may be wrong about this, but I believe that as that olive was being crushed, understand what's going on right here. It's a type of Jesus. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm giving this to y'all as I'm getting it. It's a type of Jesus because he goes to the garden of Gethsemane, which is an olive vineyard, and it's a place. There'd be some theologians that would say when he's bent over and he's sweating so bad that his drops of blood that he was literally in the wine press praying. And it's like the drops were being... He's going he's gonna to shed a lot of blood and it's going to get bloody and it's going to get gory. But the first drops are going to be on the wine press in an olive vineyard because God's showing us an example it's not as much about what you think it is as it is the effort. It ain't about being perfect. We understand he was the perfect sacrifice. He became sin who, know, who knew no sin so that although I sin, I don't have to live in sin. And he was crushed in the garden of the olives until just a few drops came out. God says, now, now, we have clarity. You want to know how much clarity we got? Because when he goes on the cross and says, it is finished, the veil's ripped in twain. And now you couldn't see. You couldn't get in there, but now you can see. Because pure oil was placed on an altar. God can deal with wet wood. Don't worry about that. What God can't deal with is dirty all. Musicians, please come. I'm closing. He don't have a problem burning up a sacrifice covered in impossible situations. He don't, he don't have a problem. Listen to me, saint of God. It don't matter how bad it is. The fire of God, our God, that is a consuming fire. He can burn it up. What God will not do. Let me ask you a question. Those of you that have children, would it would ring true probably more than those that don't, but you walk into a hospital room ready to have a child. There's mud on the floor. Grass stains on the sheets. Kind of stinks like somebody gutted some catfish. You think you're going to stick around and have your kid in there? You think you're any different than God? So he walks into a delivery room and says, Is there clean all here? Because I can bring revival. I can bring fire. I can bring power. But I'm not going to do it in a place where the all is not pure. I'm not going to do it in a place where you have it. Don't, don't crush it all the way. Just squeeze it. Those precious moments of prayer. Precious moments where, God, you can do anything you want to with me. Stand with me. I'm closing. I know you're dealing with wet wood because we all do. What I want to know tonight is will you take time to get rid of the dirty old. Look, it's, it's frustrating to have to just throw it all out. But I promise you, 
living for God 100% is so much more satisfying than living for God on 75 or 80% or even 95. We used to sing an old song, come on church, got to make 199 and a half, won't do. Y'all remember that? Living for God with everything you have is so much more satisfying. You want to know why? We, we get caught up on this Deuteronomy stuff. You're going to be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed shall be at that storehouse, the count of that field, your, your flocks, your folds, everything you've got, you're going to be the lender, not the borrower. How many times you heard that preached? But you know that there's a scripture in front of that that says, if you shall hearken unto the Lord your God and do His commandments, then blessed shalt thou be in the city. And you know what he says? We, we, we get caught up, I think it's like 14 verses where he's like, blessing, 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 blessing. But you know what he says, Sister Moore? He says, if you shall not hearken, there's 52 verses of curse, 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 curse. I know this ain't what you came to hear on Revival on Thursday night, but I'm telling you in the Holy Ghost. God wants us to go to a place. I believe it's the will of God that every service, Pastor Moore, again, he, he steps to this pulpit. He has clarity. He can see because there's pure oil. And he knows there's wet wood. That don't bother him. Because he's got a God that is a consuming fire. What he needs is somebody that will bring pure oil to the house of God. Why don't we do it like this tonight? I'm, I'm not going to challenge anybody to make a fool of themselves and step out. But I, I'm, I'm going to ask us all to come. Would, you, would everyone come to the, to the altar tonight? And, and my prayer is that tonight as you make your way, you would begin to search your soul and say, God, have I been bringing the purest oil? Have I been bringing the best oil? Have I been bringing everything that I can? Or am I just kind of trying to halfway do this church? thing. Come on, somebody. God's wanting to know, do I have your best? Do I have your best? Do I have your best? Is your best on the altar tonight? Woo! Come on, let's lift our voice. Come on, let's lift our voice. Come on, as they begin to sing, would you pray? Would you pray with me? God, help me convict my heart, convict my spirit to bring pure oil to the house of God. I know you'll deal with the wet wood if I'll just bring pure oil. God, I bring you my best. Come on, that's it. Sing it, sing it, sing it. Come on, I give myself to you, God. I give myself to you. So you Come on, I know life happens and you get busy. But would you just bring your best right now? Come on, the Holy Ghost has come to challenge us tonight. The Holy Ghost has come to challenge us tonight. Come on, somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. 
Somebody pray. Convictions in this house tonight. Would you pray with us? Come on, pray.
to the way it used to be Before your presence came and sang Oh, I know I won't go back And go back to the way it used to be Before your presence came some glory in this house tonight man did we hear the word of God that's fresh from the portals of heaven that's how much God loves us that's how much God loves this good evangelist he gave us something fresh out of the throne room of heaven it ain't second hand or third hand honey it ain't no leftover it's out of the throne room of heaven I'm gonna eat and die and give me a belly full of it and I'm not going back it's not gonna be like it used to be on it My, my, my. What a touch of the Lord in this house tonight. Praise God. Praise God. If you, not, if you haven't got the Holy Ghost, you can. Uh-huh. It's a promise from God. It's not a promise of man. It's a promise from God. Man, to be touched and healed and blessed and made victorious. Let's be the overcomers that God's calling us to be. How many enjoyed the Word of God tonight? I told Brother Phil, I'm saying, you can do that every night. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You won't even need that iPad thing, will you? God's got his own, man. No, I'll tell you what. That was good tonight, folks. That was powerful tonight. We're going we're gonna to chew on this in a while. My, 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 my. Hallelujah. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. Thank you for your faithfulness and coming and your response here tonight. Love you so much and appreciate you so much. Let's continue to pray for one another. Lift one another. Invite somebody. Amen. I, I'm, this thing is just going to keep building, folks. Tomorrow night's Friday night. Amen. We're going to come and just the power of God's going to be here and the love of God's going to be here. Because the Bible promised we're two or three together. He said, I'd be in the midst. It's a promise. So we know he's going to be here. What about you? Amen. I'm going to be here by the help of God, right? 
We're going to come and love and worship God and believe in God tomorrow night. And Amen. If you didn't get what you needed tonight, just come back tomorrow night. Pray about it all day tomorrow. Call on the Lord. Tell Him about it. And tell Him you're coming to get it tomorrow night. Amen. Tell him, I'm coming to get it tomorrow night. Hallelujah. You know, it's like going to a big diner somewhere. Amen. And they got all kind of food out there and you leave hungry. That's your fault. Praise God. When you go to places like Golden Corral, and I know some of you don't like that, but anyway, Golden Corral and places like that, and you leave hungry, that's your fault. You weren't hungry. Hallelujah. Praise God. But anyway, we're not, we're not going to leave here hungry. Yes. Sister, some people are so lazy, they don't want to sweep them off theirs. Here you are praying that God will bless you and strengthen you so you can. You know what? He's not going to stop with just sweeping and mopping, honey. He's going to work, amen, to touch a dad, a touch a preacher, amen, to touch daughters and other families, amen, because I pray God anoint her and bless her and use her in a powerful way up to shock this world. Sister, I don't mean to tell on y'all, but if you don't mind, I feel to do this. Sandra, her sister, used to tell me all the time, said, we, we used to go clean out the bars. And it wasn't the women folks either. It was the men. They'd clean them out. I'm talking about knocking their heads off and knocking them out and stuff like that. You know what? I told, I told God this and that when I prayed for you tonight. I said, God, she might have been a vessel for the devil years ago, but I believe she's going to be a mighty vessel for you now. We're going to let the devil know. You know what? It ain't no telling what she's going to do. When you get your mind made up, your heart and soul down, say, you know what? I can't do it, but God can. Not by prime might, but it's by his spirit. Is he'll knock us and lose us and die. I'm telling you, revival's in the air. My, my, my. That's for all of us. For all of us. It's for all of us. God wants to bless us and help us. So I don't want to be lazy. How about you? Find something to do and get busy about it. Let God help us. Be a testimony and witness of his goodness and grace and mercy. Anybody else want to testify? Sister Tammy. Yes. Probably not in anybody else's hearing either. And uh, 
said, well, you know, uh, well, you know, she knows who to call. I said, it wasn't Matt, Mama. I said, it was not that. I said, he preached last night that they would be calling us. They would be getting us to pray because we know who to call on. And Mama looked at me and she said, well, I guess he did a good job. <laughs> Miracles will move them. When you need a miracle, nobody can help you. That'll move you. I'm glad to be serving a God tonight. It's a miracle worker. All right. Praise God. All right. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Thank God some things pass. All right. <laughs> All right. Andrew. A lady who went with us in food court, Roseanne, her name's Jessica. Like, one of her main things going is she has, I think she has more about, I know she has one autistic child, and one of her goals that we had to make was to let her husband start to uh, have more. All right. We serve an awesome God, folks. I'm telling you. Hallelujah. This is what's going to spark revival. This is what's going to turn our world around. Hey, I'm telling you, our world's in a mess, and they need somebody who's got their head on right. I'm glad we got our head on right tonight, don't you? Amen. Anyone else? That's right. All right. Yes, he is. That's right. (laughs) 
Sister, if you can't, will you get with some of us that's basically coming from Lucedale? We make some arrangements to help pick her up. Okay? All right. All right. Because, hey, you heard what her husband said. When he starts speaking it, folks, it's fixing to start happening. <laughs> All he had to do for him to speak it. Amen. <laughs> Anyone else? All right. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. God bless you. Got Lord a place today. Praise God for that. <laughs> I know Brother Ford's glad. He's been working on this deal. So let's keep praying for him, lift him up. Hopefully he can be back in church with us. And hey, who knows what God might do for Lord in putting his family back together. God's in the mending business. I don't care how many bridges are burnt. I don't care how many bad deals. Now you say what you want to say. God's a mender and a healer, and I don't care what everybody else says. When they make up their mind, God can work on the other side, and we'll just let God work. I tell you, God will work. He's just looking for somebody to let him work and let him be God. And we'll let him do that. And you know what? There ain't no telling who's going to walk in this place. Love you tonight. Appreciate you. God bless you.